From the racing capital of the world, welcome to Season 3, Episode Number 26 of the Greatest Spectacle in Podcasting, The 7th Gear Overrev Show, presented to you by our great friends and partners over at GrindBoss.com, makers of those phenomenal skin-safe heavy-duty hand wipes. As always, I am your host, Kevin Krause, and our intrepid co-host, the one and only Mr. John McGrath, is just returning from a much well-deserved vacation, so he will be joining us next week. But hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving, and now let's uh, let's kind of get into the wrap-up here post Abu Dhabi in the F1 season. And uh, later on in the show, we're going to talk about some stuff regarding the IndyCar series. So lots of storylines from Abu Dhabi, lots of uh, side notes and side stories coming out of that weekend. But let's start first of all with Max Verstappen winning yet another race, setting, I believe, tying or, or breaking the record for most wins in a season. Congratulations, Max Verstappen. However... I feel like there's going to be a little bit of an asterisk on that because there is more races in this year's Grand Prix Formula One season than there have been in the past when Michael Schumacher held the previous record. So again, a little bit of an asterisk there behind that record. Additionally, then the battle became who was going to finish number two in the championship. Was it going to be Checo Perez for Red Bull or was it going to be Charles Leclerc for Ferrari? And in the end, despite the fact that Checo started P2, Ferrari made a rare good strategy call and got Leclerc P2 in the driver championship. So wound up being Red Red Bull number one in the driver championship, Red Bull number one in the constructor championship, then good old Charles Leclerc, followed by Checo Perez in the championship. So that kind of settled that. I think the bigger stories out of that weekend came down to the constructors championships because each spot in those constructor championship standings was the equivalent of somewhere between 10 and $12 million. So we had the big three, right? We had Red Bull, then we had Ferrari, then we had AMG Mercedes, and then fourth in the championship, believe it or not, went to Alpine with Ocon and Fernando Alonso, despite the fact that Alonso had yet another mechanical failure. I think it was a water pump this time at Abu Dhabi. And then they held off McLaren, and McLaren realistically probably had a pretty good shot at taking fourth in the championship, had it not been, unfortunately to say, for their number two driver, Danny Ricardo, scoring basically one a quarter of the amount of points that Lando Norris scored. They could have, I mean, obviously then the, the pairing of Ocon and Alonso was a stronger one than the pairing of Norris and Ricardo. So as much as it pains me to say that, being that Danny Ricardo is a fan favorite of everybody, including myself, it was unfortunately, we have to say it, it was on Ricardo that they co- he cost McLaren the points in the championship. So it was a ten to twelve million dollar, you know, hit finishing fifth instead of fourth in the points there, not to mention how much they've paid him in salary the last two years. Plus they've paid him to take, you know, to to buy him out early. So for as great as Danny Ricardo has been, he was one expensive proposition. So we got that. So McLaren fifth in the points and Alfa Romeo and Aston Martin wound up tied for sixth in the points at 55, but sixth place in the points wound up going to Alfa Romeo, basically based on Botas's finishes, finishes all the way back to Monza. So that pretty well talks through the midfield. I think it's it's not really worth talking about. You know, Williams and Haas, they are where they are. They're going to be at the back there and probably for the foreseeable future. But the biggest storyline out of Abu Dhabi, and we cannot continue on the show without talking about Sebastian. Sebastian Vettel for just a moment. I mean, that dude, you know, I have to say, I wasn't always the biggest Sebastian Vettel fan, but the man scored four friggin' world championships on the trot, four in a row back when he was at Red Bull. And despite the fact that I wasn't a huge fan of his, man, you got to respect his ability. And the, the last handful of races there with Aston Martin, the dude was like the, the Sebastian Vettel of old. It was like, where have you been, Seb? And maybe it's just because he felt unencumbered by all the obligations and the pressures of being an F1 driver, knowing that he was retiring and kind of finally being able to leave on his own terms. 
So he really did well. I think his his qualifying that weekend in Abu Dhabi was probably one of his best drives of the season, if not his career. And he too probably could have been a little bit higher in the final point standings had Alfa Romeo not set out to split their strategy to uh, to try to screw them up so they could so they couldn't quite get ahead. But at any rate, Sebastian Vettel, man, that dude has gotten a ton of respect throughout the the world as well as the paddock. So kudos to you, Seb. Danke, Seb. And we look forward to seeing you very, very soon. I doubt back in an F1 car, but who knows? Maybe you'll see him in a wet car or back in a team manager role, that kind of thing at some point in the future. So, And like I said, I mean, this dude has gained the respect of, of everybody in the paddock from other drivers. I mean, they had this massive driver dinner during the Abu Dhabi weekend specifically to honor Seb. They honored him on the grid you know, when they when they went to get in their cars and do driver introductions. So that dude is held in the highest regard, and, and rightfully so. He's achieved an amazing amount and, and really used his voice for a, a lot of great things. So, Danka, once again, Seb, and we wish you the best in, in where, wherever you're going at this point in your career. So, moving on to some other storylines, though, in and around the Abu Dhabi Formula One race weekend. First of which, we got to go back to the whole Red Bull saga. I remember it came down to back in Sao Paulo, where Checo was trying to get the points to finish second in the championship and and Max was the douche of not letting him go by right to help him get those points he's like don't ever ask me that again are we clear dick supposedly they had this big sit down right and everything was smoothed over even though I have it on good authority that it was a pretty heated discussion in the Red Bull compound there after the race but everybody said all the right things going into Abu Dhabi Max was going to help Checo try to get second in the championship which watching that race man it didn't really look like Max really try to help him at all. However, I will say, Checo was not as good at managing his tires as Max was. And if you watch that race, you probably caught them saying, you know, he's got to get more front tire temp up because he was, you know, there was getting understeer, that kind of thing. So, you know, Max didn't really help him much. Checo also didn't help himself much in the way that he managed the tires. But the other part around that whole story is I had read, take this with a grain of salt, that Max Verstappen is none too happy to continue to have Checo as his teammate and has gone so far as to say that he wants a different teammate next year. So, enter Danny Ricardo back into the fold. And I don't know why in the hell people are labeling him as the third driver. He's the reserve driver. Is the third driver not the reserve driver? Why are we calling the reserve driver the third driver? I don't get it. But at any rate, we got Danny Ricardo back in the fold with a good understanding of the Red Bull operation as well as Max Verstappen. So if, like we said in a previous show, Verstappen's under contract through 2028 and that team runs through him. However, he best not forget the amount of money that Checo Perez brings to the table. So we'll see what happens. Danny Ricardo being back at Red Bull. Along with that, what else we got from F1 that weekend? Well, it has been announced that Mick Schumacher is no longer with us. He has been replaced by Nico Hulkenberg and Nico Nico's already participated in the first tire test post Abu Dhabi, but that's not all. Not only has Schumacher been let go from Haas, but Schumacher has been dropped by Ferrari, and Ferrari was his big backer. I'm sure that had nothing at all to do with having the last name of Schumacher and what his dad did for the organization. So I am just going to say that Schumacher, we may not hear a whole lot from Mick Schumacher because at this point there's no F1 seats available, right? I don't know, maybe him and uh, Nikita Mazepin are going to go out on his yacht somewhere in the Maldives or something like that. So it'll be interesting to see if and or where Mick Schumacher resurfaces. So that's that's a big talking point right there as well. And speaking of Ferrari, 
You know, we've been bagging all season long on their absolutely horrid shitbox strategy calls. Well, apparently, according to several sources, not only has Charles Leclerc lost confidence in Matteo Bonato, but Matteo Bonato has offered to tender his resignation as team principal at Ferrari, which I find very interesting. To the point, and again, so some of this stuff is pure speculation, but it should, it should, we should know more here in the in the next days, probably even this week. But uh, one of the rumored replacements for Matteo Bonato would be Alfa Romeo's Frederick Vasseur, which would be very interesting. However, there's there's a lot going on there. Bonato is pretty well pretty well respected as an engineer. I don't know about him as a team manager, but I think the bigger issues there at Ferrari are higher up the food chain in terms of upper management, the executive team, the guys that oversee who hires and who fires the folks that run that F1 program. And I think that car was actually pretty good and they left a lot of race points as well as wins on the table. So whatever is ailing Ferrari could quite likely go further beyond Matteo Bonato. So take that for what you will. Now, I will also tell you, gang, that I think that F1 race at Abu Dhabi was a big, it was a huge strategy race, right? You know, between the the one-stop call from uh, Ferrari to, to kind of dupe Checo into, into doing a two-stopper, that sort of thing. But if you really want to get in-depth on an, a really in-depth analysis on that race, I would recommend to you, and I don't do this often on the show, is, is there's another podcast that I listen to, actually the, the host of the podcast, but he's got two of them. And he was actually a guest on one of our very early shows for here, here at the Seventh Gear Overdrive Show. And his name is Michael Laminato. He's one of the hosts of the Australian F1 podcast, Box and Neutrals, which I love, but also he's the host of F1 Strategy Report. And he has some pretty interesting and guess on that they they really delve into you know how these races on these given Formula One weekends have been won and lost by the various teams. So if you're at all interested in listening to the podcast beyond this show, <laughs> I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't dissuade you from listening to the F1 Strategy Report as well as Box and Neutrals. So I think that about covers the F1 Abu Dhabi wrap up and. Sebastian Vettel's retirement. Now, switching over to the IndyCar side of things. I interestingly, again, referring to yet another podcast, a guy here that does a lot of YouTube stuff and spends a lot of time covering IndyCar stuff, had speculated on one of his YouTube videos, and I'll mention it here in just a little bit, is IndyCar under threat? And that got me thinking, is it under threat? You know, obviously, the IndyCar series is a North American series. We basically go to Toronto without one race of the year. But in the past, we've gone to places like Germany and South America and Japan and Australia and places like that. But he got me thinking because, you know, is IndyCar under threat? Well, I would have to say yes, it is. Why else would you think that Formula One now has three races in the United States? Yes, it's a global series. Yes, it's more expensive. Yes, the IndyCar series can't compete on that level. But man, is the F1 series coming here to the U.S. three times next year going to eat into that IndyCar pie, that fan base, that TV audience? You know, and now I know IndyCar, rather, is there's talk about them having their own kind of docu-series like Netflix's Drive to Survive based around Formula One to help increase their popularity. But here's the thing, you know, I mean, Drive to Survive kind of took off when, during the pandemic, right? So you're not going to have, at least hopefully we won't have another pandemic. So you're not going to have that leverage, right, where people are home looking for shit to watch and shit to do. I think it's a great idea, but I think maybe it's, you know, the window is not as open as it was when Netflix came in. You know, a lot of things are kind of stagnant, you know, in, in this guy's opinion. And I'll tell you, it's, it's David Land. He does a lot of YouTube stuff and he made some really good points. I don't always agree with his his viewpoints, but this particular episode, if you watch it on YouTube, I think it's uh, IndyCar stuck in 2007, something like that. He gets into a lot of these points and, and really delves into it. It makes a compelling argument. So I think uh, there's a valid argument to be made that 
that the IndyCar series may be under threat, could see some changes. Obviously, we don't have a third engine manufacturer. We're looking at, you know, trying to bolster, you know, the fields, trying to get more than 33 cars entered for next year's Indy 500, which, by the way, I just saw this last week that Steph Wilson has been confirmed with a new partnership between Kusick Motorsports and Dreyer and Reinbold. So they'll, they've actually, you know, good for him. He usually, if he gets a deal for Indy, it's usually at the last minute during the month of May, and then it's a struggle to, to get up to speed. But now that this is announced this much earlier, it's a it's a good deal for him. So uh, good on him. So anyway, with the IndyCar series, man, think about that. You know, there's a little bit of shuffling around. There's some personnel moves, things going on there. You know, it wouldn't be, wouldn't be such a bad idea to hear more on a regular basis, you know, some communicado kind of things from guys like Mark Miles and Doug Bowles and Roger Penske himself. Maybe maybe a monthly, hey, here's five minutes with Mark Miles or here's five minutes with, with Roger Penske. But at any rate, I know this is going to be a short episode, but I wanted to give you some content here for the week just to kind of get you through. We are going to do one, maybe two more shows here before the end of the year because realistically now the racing is over until January when we've got the roar before the 24, the 24 hours of Daytona. But we are hopeful to have at least one more guest on before the end of the year. And if things play out the way that they are supposed to, that that guest will be the one and only Lynn St. James. And hopefully we'll have her on next week. But if not, we are going to have a great show for you regardless. And we've got, like I said in the, in the previous show, we've got Lynn St. James that is committed to coming on. We've got five-time and reigning NHRA Pro Stock champ Eric Enders coming on. We've got Willie T. Ribs coming on. We've got Randy Lanier coming on. And we've also just confirmed in the last several days, two-time Indy 500 winner, the Flying Dutchman track record holder, Ari Leindijk is going to be on with us as well. Now, whether or not we can get them on here before 2023 remains to be seen, but we will have them on very, very soon. So with that said, folks, if you're liking what you're hearing from us this season after 25 episodes in season three, let us know. Hit us up on all of our social media platforms. You know where to find us. You can find us on Instagram at 7th Gear Overrev. You can find us on Twitter, which is at gear underscore 7th. You can also find us on Facebook as well as our Facebook group page. Drop us a line. Let us know if you've been listening, if you like it, you don't like it, you think we're dumb shits and don't know what the hell we're talking about. Let us know. Otherwise, make sure that you are rating us, reviewing us, sharing us with your friends and family, and smashing the damn subscribe button. Smash it! Smash that subscribe button. Yeah. Lastly, we've got a good friend, friend of the show. He has been the voice of the Indy 500 for many, many years. Not in the last few years, but he is always associated with the Indy 500, and he has now got a second printing of his well-received book, Hello, I'm Paul Page. It's race day in Indianapolis. So be sure you go out. For any of you race fans, any of you Indy 500 fans, Paul Page fans, go check that book out. I have it myself, and it's a wonderful book. So he's a great friend of the show. We're happy to help him out. So make sure you go run right out and, and get your copy if you don't already have one. And with that said, everybody... Again, I know it was a short episode. Wanted to give you a quick update here before next week's show. And be sure that you are in tune with us next week for the latest in the greatest spectacle in podcasting. See ya.